0: a podcast that untangles the science of sex and pleasure. And now with this week's episode, your host, clinical psychologist, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Hello there. Welcome to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Nazanin Moali. Today, we're going to talk about sex and aging. But before I tell you a little bit about our guests and the topic today, I just wanted to remind you guys that this week is the last week that I will keep the appointments for Fridays open. So as I shared with you guys in previous weeks that I open very few appointments on Fridays for my video counseling clients. So my private practice is full, but I I have couple spots open for Fridays for those of you that are not necessarily living around my office in LA or uh, you're living in other countries. So if you have an issue around sexuality and you're thinking about possibly working with me, this is your opportunity. And the spot is a significantly reduced price compared to my usual fee. At the time of this recording, my fee is $200 per 15 minutes, but these spots will be 130. So I highly encourage you guys to take advantage of this opportunity. So as I mentioned, this week we're going to talk about sex and aging. Our guest is Dr. Stacey Friedman. If you are listeners of this podcast, you probably remember that she was on actually last year around this time. Her topic was Unleashing Your Wild Side, and it was episode seven. So if you want to check it out, that was a great episode to listen to. And uh, I invited her back to talk about aging and how our body changes and how we can adapt our sexuality and keep it exciting and maintain the passion in the relationship that we have. So Dr. Stacy Friedman is a clinical sexologist, certified sex coach, and is the founder of Creating Intimacy Coach. She got involved in the field of clinical sexology because of her passion for helping people learn to experience the best sexual intimacy with themselves and with their partners. She holds a doctorate degree in human sexuality, a master's in clinical sexology, and is a certified sex coach. Dr. Stacy is a member of World Association of Sex Coaches and of the ACS American College of Sexologists which shows she has earned top credentials in her field. She also has a bachelor's degree in psychology and a registered diagnostic medical and vascular sonographer. Sex coaching is designed to help women, men, and people of any sexual orientation or gender address their concerns about sexuality, sexual function, and sexual expression. Additionally, since 2006, Dr. Stacy has been a consultant selling adult novelties and has coached and educated many people in a fun, positive approach to love, romance, and all aspects of sexuality. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Dr. Stacy. Welcome back to another episode of Sexology Podcast. I am so excited trill to have Dr. Stacy Friedman back in our show. Dr. Stacy, welcome to our show. Yay, I'm back. Thank you. <laughs> it's good to have you back. I know that with the episode we had about sexual inhibition, so many people contacted me. They told me it was a great episode. So I'm so excited that you're here to talk about sex and aging. And I know at times for people this is not the most exciting topic to talk about. But I feel as we were talking about it before the recording, there's just so many myths and misconceptions about uh, sexuality in later stages of life. Definitely. So let us start with talking about what are some of the common ways people's sexuality changes as they age?
1: Well, first of all, I mean, it's the obvious as you start aging, you start having some issues with physical abilities. Of course, as you get older, you start having more illnesses taking more medications, potentially more surgeries. So right there, those types of concerns can definitely alter or affect people's sexuality as they age. You know, so those are some items that people are concerned about, hormonal changes. So there's those basic things that can affect how people look at sexuality, how they feel about themselves. Um, and it definitely does different in men and women. So what are the differences that you see? And in, in the difference between different, uh, I'm sorry, the men and women? Yes. With the women, the hormonal changes, a lot of women will have their estrogen and their progesterone drop. So that decrease in hormones will definitely alter the desire to have sex. That doesn't necessarily mean that they're, not able to have arousal. It just means that the desire may not be there. So sometimes you need to have a little extra foreplay or a little extra romantic evenings to be able to build that desire in order to get to that arousal. But that definitely does affect the actual initial desire for women. It also affects the uh, vaginal walls. The vagina can even shorten, it can thin out, And a lot of the lubrication may be lessened. So it's important that you use lubrication to be able to help and make it a little more comfortable. Sometimes the women may need to actually have to go to the doctor to get hormonal uh, medication. And it's one of those things where if you don't use it, you'll lose it. So it's very important for people to know that the women need to still be able to do things to have some stimulation to help increase the lubrication and and help that along the way. Uh, As far as men, the uh, erectile dysfunction is something that hits as you start getting older. And erectile dysfunction is the loss of the ability to have or maintain an erection. And a lot of times as the men get older, that causes a lot of emotional stress, can cause depression because it is so related to their manhood, their manliness. And those types of problems can definitely affect erections in itself. Um, But men at least have some pills that they could take, like the Cialis, Levitra, Viagra, all those kind of things. But what they can do is have patient partners to be able to focus more on the intimacy rather than the Performance, focusing on performance. So, those types of things are definitely what is affecting sexuality as you age.
0: So, one of the thoughts that I had was you were talking about changes in vagina and atrophy and all of those challenges. Mm-hmm.
1: So, at what age do you think those changes start happening? Usually, it's around the time of menopause. Menopause can be brought on by surgery, surgical menopause, if people have hysterectomies and their ovaries are taken out, Um, that can happen at any age, depending on when you have the surgery. But normally, it would happen anywhere from, it could happen anywhere from 45 to 55 years old when people go through the menopause. So your ovaries stop producing these hormones that are needed, which is why some people need to go on hormonal therapy uh, to help increase the estrogen. And uh, there's different types of things that you can do besides lubrication. They have different techniques now to help with lubrication. If the woman is not able to lubricate on her own, they have the Mona Lisa, which helps with vaginal lubrication or regeneration. And um, like I had already mentioned lube, but they have different types of medications such as estrace or Estradiol. I can never say that word. Uh, So there's a couple things that you can speak with your doctor if you have concerns, but it's definitely something to be aware of that is normal and that it happens. And to, def- to check in with your position to see what they can do to help.
0: And I'm glad you're bringing up the solutions because sometimes I have this women in my private practice and they're telling me that the sex is painful that and they kind right. of accept it as a, you know, how sex is going to be in later stages of life. And they say we try loops, but like they kind of they don't know beyond that there are things that's helping with uh, reducing the discomfort as you were talking about.
1: Right. And a lot of people are kind of nervous to bring it up to their physicians or their physicians don't even ask. So they just feel like there really is no other option. You know, A lot of times they'll just say, oh, make sure you use lube. And there's also a difference in lubes because the water-based lubes might be great for some, but the water gets absorbed into your body. So it doesn't stay lubricated as long as something such as a silicone lube. And there's also some glycerin water-based lubes which is a sugar which can cause more dryness and irritation so sometimes if a lube doesn't work you have to look to see the ingredients and think maybe i need to use something such as the silicone which actually coats and doesn't get absorbed so there's a couple different options right
0: right even with lube as you're talking about there are varieties and it's just it's important to see what is a good fit for you and as as you were talking about men and women differences i was thinking that Women go through menopause, so it's they at times it's easier to see the developmentally and different stages of their sexuality. What would men, because they don't necessarily have that drastic change in it, like in as far as like their sexuality, at times they feel that, oh, I have to perform in the same level, which is very unreasonable.
1: Right. Because it's not so-called normal for a man to lose his hormones, like you said, like a woman would. But usually after the age of 50, a lot of men, probably about almost 50% of men do come, to, excuse me, do come to me with an erectile dysfunction issue. And most of the time, the women are like, oh, yes, finally, <laughs> <He's got laughs> problems, you know, but the men, you know, like I said, a lot of times they equate their manliness or what their worth is from what's in between their legs. And a lot of times it kind of forces a couple to relook at what sexuality is and what is needed in the relationship. And sometimes it's all a lot of it's in their head, too, because it starts causing some performance anxiety for the men. If they feel like they're not able to perform right away, every time they go to try to have sex, the first thing in their head is, am I going to be able to get an erection? Am I going to be able to keep it up? And of course, when you tell when you're told to think about something, not to think about something, you automatically think about it. (laughs) So, you know, it's, a little bit of a struggle sometimes for the men to realize that it is a normal process. And there's a couple things men can do besides just the pills. There's certain toys such as like the C-rings, which are considered also cock rings. They're just a rubber or a jelly silicone type of toy that you put or rubber band type of thing, I guess you could say. You put around the penis and it helps keep the blood flow in the penis. So that can help maintain their erection a little bit longer as well. I'm glad
0: you're talking about this because one thing I noticed that many people use sex toys incorrectly, <laughs> and it's not working. And I think just okay. like sometimes, just looking at the instruction on the box is not sufficient <laughs> because you were talking about cock ring. and I just remember that like some of my clients are just like when they were describing about like well, how they use it, how, how when they put it on, and all of that. I was so confusing. So I think if you're using a toy, it's important to have good instruction.
1: Well, exactly. Because a lot of people, like you said, are not knowledgeable of it. And another thing is I've had people tell me all the time that these rings hurt, but then I come to find out they're not using lube to put them on. Right. (laughs) (laughs) No wonder. Yes. Right. If you think about putting a rubber band on like a woman's hair, just an actual rubber band, not a hair band, but a rubber band, it's going to pull everything out of that person's hair because it's got to have some protective coating, like an actual hairband. So when you're working with men and you're trying to explain what to see, what a C ring is, make sure you use some lubrication to keep it soft, to keep it able to, you know, stay on and and uh, not be pulling things that they shouldn't be pulling.
0: (laughs) True, (laughs) it's really painful. And pain and pleasure most of the time, (laughs) if it's unintended, kills the pleasure. The mood, Right, right. So one of the things I often hear that people are talking about being worried about how our libido might decrease due to aging. Is that something that you see? And what's your thoughts on that?
1: Well, I think just naturally, you're going to decrease just a little bit, especially with the women, because of the Uh, decrease in hormones that the ovaries produce. But I think that the, you know, sex could actually be more enjoyable as you get older, I think, because you don't have kids in the home. Usually Uh, there's no fear of getting pregnant. Also, you've learned a lot. A lot of people as they get older can become more open and less inhibited due to the fact of, you know, not trying to impress anybody because they already have their partner for many years. You already have that comfort level You've learned already about your body and and what it's all about, so I think that there's a little bit more confidence sometimes as you age. So I don't know if libido necessarily decreases. I think desire will decrease a little bit more with the women, but I think that with discussions with your partner and open communication to help that desire, once the women get aroused, then usually there's no problem. It's just kind of that initial, you know, desire. I think the focus needs to be a little bit more on intimacy instead of that orgasm, because then there's all that pressure. Like if someone doesn't feel good or they're sick or they're hurting, because, you know, as you get older, you get a little bit more aches and pains. The focus may not want to be on orgasm because that's stressful. And that could be unenjoyable for some people because you're focusing on just trying to get that end result rather than just, having that sexual experience and enjoying that so it's basically basically about maintaining a good attitude about your sexuality and making adjustments when necessary
0: and you're right when you're talking about you know people be more, become more comfortable around their sexuality hopefully they've been acting for years sexually active for years so they know what's their turn-ons what's not they have more right. understanding of their erotic blueprint that can change like improve their the sufficiency that there is if there is any issues with desire.
1: Right. I definitely, I definitely agree with that. And a lot of times though, it can go the other way because if let's say a man is more uh, nervous about that erection, he may back off and may not have as much desire as he ages due to the fear of not being able to have the erection. So I think some of that just has to do with some, you know, mental blocks that people put on themselves which is not necessarily reality. You know, if people are able to open up and have that communication with each other, you can find that as you get older, you might be having better sex than you had when you were younger.
0: Right. And sometimes I definitely hear that from my clients. And But as you're talking about it, the key is communication, talking about what do you need to have in order to experience desire or how you guys can modify things, expand things that you both will enjoy the sex. Exactly. So one of the barriers that I hear like all the time from people that there's just their fear of aging and they don't find their aging bodies are beautiful so do you have any tips on how we can continue to find beauty in our aging
1: bodies that is a very very common complaint because people are afraid to look in the mirror they're afraid what they look like they're getting more wrinkles things are not as high up as they used to be they're sagging oh, a little <laughs> more so there's a lot of self you know image that is a problem with a lot of the people And especially because they might have been in great shape when they were younger. And and so they look at themselves now and they just don't feel that beautiful. But honestly, I, I feel that the confidence comes with age and looking beautiful really comes from the confidence that somebody has in themselves. So if you think about all that you've been through all of your life, you know, we did nothing to earn our looks. But as you get older, the character of who you are really becomes what you look like. And if you look at older people as just kind of like art, where they've had to be formed and who they are is how they were formed. And, you know, after children, they've had these stretch marks and, you know, they brought life to the world. And so you have to kind of look at yourself in the mirror and realize that people fall in love with someone who's got a good sense of humor, someone that is kind, someone that's romantic. And also when you're being intimate, most of the times your eyes are closed. (laughs) (laughs) True. Right. So most people, especially men, if they're getting some, it doesn't necessarily matter what you look like. (laughs) No, I'm just joking. But seriously, um, you know, it's just really about knowing that sexiness is not skin. Sexiness is confidence. It's the history of what you've accomplished. And you have to stop being as critical of your bodies because like I just joked around with the men, you are going to be more critical than anyone else is ever going to be about your body. And if you provide that confidence and just know that you have that sex appeal and it's about that connection and not necessarily about how you look, I think that as we get older, we just need to have pride and be proud of our bodies that we're still able to bring that pleasure to our partner.
0: Right. And similar to what you were talking about uh, with kind of like women, like being more confident about who they are. I, I certainly see that I have friends in different stages of life and I witnessed them when they were like, you know, in their twenties, early thirties, they felt the sense of self didn't form yet. So they didn't have right. that confidence. And now in their forties and 50s they're rocking it because they have established their careers they feel confident on who they are and i notice right now like now in later stages of life people are more attracted toward them the partners are like uh, kind of like more find them more attractive because of that uh, sense of confidence and sense of self that they develop throughout the years
1: Right. And it's not even just people that are aging. I mean, it's anybody who is not happy for their body. You know, there's people that are too thin, too heavy, too tall, too short, whatever it is. You know, that's why sometimes you'll look at somebody, you'll have one partner that is extremely thin, you have the other partner that's extremely overweight, and you wonder, how do they match? How are they attracted to each other? Because they have that self confidence, they have that pride, they kiss passionately. They fall in love with someone who's got that amazing personality, sense of humor. And as you get older, you have to realize that it's not as shallow as it was when you were younger, but that, you know, perfect bodies may be sexy to some, but you need to be able to presume that other people are not going to be as critical of our body as we are.
0: And also, as you were talking, you were talking about like how men are not paying attention. I feel... People usually are hypercritical of their own bodies, like I know right. I work with people with issues around self image eating disorder, but all but even with all my clients, I notice that they're talking about this changes in the body that no one notices and i right. and it just like they're the only one who's uh, kind of focusing on that and they're trying to kind of hide their stomach or hide right. their arms while having sex, and the changes that they're talking about is just so. Minor that as you, talk, as you were talking about it, they're the only people who are noticing it.
1: Right. And they just have to try to get past that by looking in the mirror and understanding that each one of those wrinkles and rolls are from a journey that you've had through your life. And many times people come into my practice and the woman will say how they feel uncomfortable getting on top of the man because their stomach hangs. And the man is like, oh, my God, I think she's the sexiest when she's on top of me. She looks amazing. And the woman is just like, oh, God, but then this is hanging, this is hanging. Most of the time, the partner could care less, but the partner is enjoying it because they're having fun. They see this confident person with them, and it's really about just appreciating yourself for who you are.
0: Right. And as you were talking about, beauty is different for different people. It's sometimes it's funny that I hear from some of my clients and even friends that they want to have certain kind of body which even their partner, they don't find it don't desirable. Like yeah. Yeah. And they right. just like, they could have assumed when you were in the bed with your partner, it's not like a penthouse photo shoot you are with your partner. Right. So as right. long as you guys find each other desirable, that's all it that matters.
1: Right. And like I said, many times when you're together, your eyes are closed because you're just enjoying how it feels and you're being in the moment. And so that's what it's about. It's about being in the moment and just enjoying Touching and connecting with your partner. So, if you try to maybe change your mindset and not focus on what you see in the mirror, but focus on the beauty of how it got there and who you are, then hopefully that confidence will start growing and, and you'll be able to be uh, appreciative of the body that you have.
0: Exactly. So, the other thought that I have, I wanted us to kind of expand. I know we already touched on the topic of barriers, but what are some of the other barriers that you see around sexuality and intimacy in and aging population?
1: Well, I mean, I think the the biggest barrier is a lot of the physical concerns because you start getting a little bit of the arthritis, you start getting some of the chronic diseases or medical issues that keep you from being able to be in the positions that you used to be. There's also, you know, your partner a lot of times may pass away. And so sometimes that barrier uh, of feeling that depression because of death or whatever that can keep a lot of people from becoming intimate again as they get older. So I think that as the people in the aging population get to a point where all these things start happening, there becomes a lot of fear in regards to their sexual function, um, their ability, and also fear of what is right and wrong according to society, because a lot of people look at the elderly and think that they should not want or enjoy sex. You know, like, so for instance, like uh, when people say, oh, God, he's a dirty old man. Why is he a dirty old man if he starts talking about sex or flirts or jokes around? Why? Why can he not just like any other person that is 20 years old or 30 years old compared to someone who's 80 years old? There's no reason why people have to lose their sexuality just because they are aging. And I think that is a big barrier too, a society.
0: I love that because I. That's a concept I struggle with it a lot as well. That people I feel assume that later in life sexuality, like it's expected for you not to be sexual, but sexuality right. is part of who you are. It's like oh, when you're older, you you don't need to eat, which is like it's, <laughs> that's ridiculous.
1: That. Just kill me now.
0: <laughs> right, right. I remember that. Like so, for example, just my own grandmother she got uh, her husband passed away when she was like 32 and she lived, she was like 91 and like whatever it was the concept of her dating or like marrying and stuff, everyone was like, Oh my God, what's wrong with her? And it's just like interesting that like, we're kind of undermining other people's sexuality with all of this belief and our, our sexuality with having this myth that's not serving us.
1: Right. And that, that is a big problem. And I think that that's why so many couples, when they get to their, you know, late sixties, um, late seventies and one partner is more sexual, they're just kind of like, Oh my God, you know, this, we're, we're done with kids. We're done with all that. We should just be enjoying life. And, and these people are kind of like, well, I'm trying to, I still, you know, I'm still, sexual. (laughs) I mean, I'm going to be one of those little 90 year olds being like, come here, honey, give it to me, give it to me. (laughs) (laughs) Me and you both. (laughs) But, uh, but that's the problem is that besides the society, I mean, you also have some barriers that are just physical, you know, physical barriers and diminished sexual function. And so there's quite a few different things, but that's why you have to try different techniques, different avenues, communication, and finding different ways to get past that.
0: And be familiar with what's out there, because you're talking about physical challenges that people have, which is real, but there are so many tools that can people utilize in order to uh, minimize those challenges.
1: Right, right. Well, there's some of the barriers I find is uh, many of the clinicians, the doctors, therapists, they assume that people over the age of 60, 70, 80, whatever, don't necessarily have sex and are not interested in sex. So many times when I find that they go to the doctor's office, they talk about their health, they talk about their this, their that, all these other things. But many times, you know, sometimes the men will discuss more, I find, about the erectile dysfunction. But majority of the women don't get asked, how is your sexual appetite? How is your libido? How is your function? Um, It's not a common question that people ask as a checkup. You know, an 80-year-old man that came in to see me has not been to the doctor because he said he went to the doctor and the doctor never did any tests on testosterone. He just said, you know, Oh, you're 80 years old already. What do you need that for? So I said to him, I said, you go right back to that doctor's office and you tell him that it's important that you get things checked and you try to find ways to work around it. You know, don't just give them a pill and expect that, you know, everything is fine. Take the time to discuss with your patients, their sexual needs, and then if they need to see a sex therapist or a sex coach or or somebody to help uh, with other issues, then, you know, do that. But I think that it just needs a little bit more attention and medical and clinical training for people.
0: Exactly. I was reading about an article a few months ago, and I can put it on the show notes, that how uh, there was a physician who did this study that like big percentage of the physicians, as you were talking about, they're not asking questions, but when they're asking, when the question is asked, people have concerns and they can be helpful. So it's just because of the stigma around sexuality and especially sexuality during later stages of life, it's hard for people to talk about it with their physicians.
1: Right, and I even find a lot of GYNs because I try to connect with a lot of GYNs. One of my specialties is working with women. And so when I go to some of the offices, it's not a common question. Like I've spoke to some women, they're like, no, my my GYN never asked me about my libido, never asked me if I have painful sex. And a lot of times they're afraid to bring it up because they either feel it's normal or they feel that they're being brushed off. I just think that it's so important for people to at least bring up the question and have the resource of where to send them if they're not qualified in helping. Because I think that's one of the reasons why a lot of people don't Ask those questions, even therapists. They don't ask these questions because once they get the answer, they're not sure what to do with that answer.
0: True, exactly. And that's something that I notice a lot that when the, people get relief when you ask questions about their sexuality and intimacy. And I think yeah. it's our roles, it's our way and rule, like at our place to kind of ask questions about those things. And because it's
1: part of our, our clients' overall health. Right. No, I agree. I agree. And, and, and it's as far as like the partner some of the things that they can address if it's just communication between the partner the, far, the partner the partner <laughs> <laughs> uh, we can find ways to make the sexual experiences more comfortable and safe for each of them to keep in an, an open mind regarding the sexuality so you don't feel that judgment and fear to focus maybe rather than focusing on the actual intercourse but focus on the enjoyment of the intimacy the touching the hugging And connecting with their partner in other ways. So that way, if you have a medical issue or, you know, the sex is painful or there's different things, there's plenty of things to do. There's plenty of toys to try. There's plenty of positions to go to. There's just so much more to sex and sexuality and intimacy than just the intercourse. And I think as you get older, you kind of have to work around those barriers and find ways that you could actually keep that connection alive. And as you were talking
0: about the barriers, you mentioned about like when we lose a partner, which is a real issue for many people and what they're trying to get back to the dating or having casual sex. And it's because they haven't done that for years can be challenging. So can you tell us a little bit about the difficulty as someone like they're trying to get to use to the new partner or find a new partner in later stages of life?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think that some of the difficulties could just really depend on how soon or how long it's been since they've lost their partner. But falling in love again usually doesn't have, it's really not much to do with the late husband, but some people at that age have a lot of mental and physical fatigue. Sometimes their attitudes from their children are like, oh, well, dad just passed away, you know, three months ago. How are you going out dating again? So there's some of that guilt. But some people actually enjoy just being able to go out and having a good time and not being connected, but still being able to just meet people. So they don't have to cook every night. They can have sex when they want to. They don't have to get new, get used to a new person. So it just depends on what the person is looking for. Some people want to just have that freedom and be able to get out and just do what they want to do. And other people really want to have that new partner, that new love. And the difference is, is that there's nothing that's going to compare to any other love that you've had. So even when people get divorced and uh, go to a new person, you're still gonna have a certain love that you've had for your partner. So for people that have lost a partner, this is a little different because some people continue that bereavement even years after their loss. But what needs to be done, I think, is just shifting the way that they look at things about how they loved their husband or wife that have passed away. You have to just appreciate that the love that you had for them was either one of a kind or special. And you have to be able to know that just because you find somebody and you don't love them the same, that's okay. That every love could be different. Um, No two people are identical. And just realizing that different circumstances will allow a person to just feel different things. So you know, a new lover can bring you know someone back to life. and and even though it's not going to be the same as the person that you lost, it's still going to allow you to enjoy life again,
0: right. I feel grief is part of it, but I also feel like our lack of confidence, as we were talking about, especially I see it in women about their body, their look, their skills is another issue when it comes to finding a sexual partner. Because I think our society, we have this image of like older men are sexy, at least like they can be sexy, but older (laughs) women are not necessarily perceive themselves that way.
1: Right. No, it's true. I mean, the concerns about intimacy definitely come from different anxieties First of all, of just even losing someone again at that age, you know, you don't want to get close to someone and then have to lose them again in five years because they're ninety years old or things like that, and and just that fear of opening to new relationships, and 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 a lot of it's about even the guilt of being with someone and feeling like you're cheating on your spouse, but your your spouse has been deceased. So there's a lot of different reasons why they might avoid the intimacy, but that goes goes back to that confidence of just knowing that at this age. You're not going to be the same person and you're not going to have that, you know, when you're 27 years old and you got all this, you know, love and all these flirting and and all this kind of stuff that is at a 27 year old. You don't have kids. You don't have bills. You don't have uh, jobs. You know, all these things when you're younger, the stresses are different. So you just have to kind of look at it at a different stage of your life and know that usually the partner you're with are going to have the same concerns. So it's really just goes back to communication, expressing your concerns and finding the right person that's going to uh, trust that you can trust and feel like you can be open with.
0: And I love that you mentioned, uh, I love the point that you mentioned that, uh, you know, all relationships are unique. You don't need to compare because then I get clients talking about how the passion was different with the the different partner or with the previous partner when they started having sex and how things are not as exciting with the new partner. And we're talking about, okay, maybe it was, this was like 50 years ago, 60 years ago that you were started that passion. And this is a different kind of relationship in different stages of life. And at times it serves a different
1: purpose. Exactly. Exactly. Just because, you know, love, love is not going to feel the same with everybody. And that doesn't mean it's not love. It's just different. And like you mentioned, it was more passionate maybe with someone else, let's say. It's kind of saying the same thing. Before you have kids, I have couples come in and be like, oh, well, the relationships before this one, sex was great and we did all this. I'm like, but did you have kids? Did you live together? Did you have bills? Did you have, well, no, well, no, well, no. So just that being said, you have different things in your life going on at different times. And so, you know, you hope that at that age, people that are with you are similar in age that you're going to understand what the other person's going through and appreciate the person for who they are. And then hopefully you can have a very loving relationship.
0: So we noticed, I noticed that we are toward the end of our time. So, and I know you have like lots of great resources, writing content. So I want to make sure that our listeners, they know about them and they also know what would be the best way of getting a hold of you.
1: Well, I do have a lot of my articles and things that I do write and any of my podcasts that I've done, especially the one I've done with yours. Yay! (laughs) (laughs) I have that on my personal website, which is drstacy.org. And that's D-R-S-T-A-C-Y. And you can find me there, my emails there, my phone numbers there. I do Skype sessions as well as uh, phone sessions. So you can be all over the world to reach me. And I do have an office in Lake Worth, Florida. So I'm able to help people that uh, are local. And I'm actually in the middle of putting together a book. So if you go to my website at drstacy.org and sign up and put your email address, as soon as that book comes out, I will be sending that to everybody who is signed up. So it's going to be a very uh, helpful book, especially for women.
0: Excellent. I'll make sure I leave a, a link to all of those great information and website addresses and show notes.
1: Sounds great. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. This was lovely. You're welcome. I look forward to talking with you again soon. Absolutely. Have a great day. You too. Thank you. Bye everybody.
0: I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Dr. Stacy Friedman and you got good information about sexuality in different stages of life. As Dr. Stacy mentioned that aging is not necessarily needs to be end of your sex life and you still can have wonderful, passionate sex during your older stages of life. So I hope you use the tips that she provided or if you know someone that's older that is are struggling, I appreciate if you share this episode with them. This is something I feel very passionate about because ever since I was a teenager, it was really annoying for me to see when people were making fun of older adults having sex or all this like ridiculous jokes in the TV shows and sitcoms about people having sex during all their uh, stages of life. I think that's sex is part of life and we all are entitled to have great sex. Anyhow, at the end of the show, I wanted to invite you guys to, if you're interested, to learn more about psychology of food, sex, drug feel free to follow me at social media. Uh, I'm pretty much everywhere and my handle is oasis2care. I'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to Sexology Podcast. For more great content, visit www.sexologypodcast.com. Please be advised that information presented on this podcast is not a substitute
1: for seeking help from a licensed mental health provider.